You are listening. Peace and blessings, everyone. And now you are entering the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Today, where would it lead? What's next? And who knows? But follow me and let's explore together. What I can tell you is that we explore the past, the current, and the future. My name is Shane, and I'm your host, and welcome to the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Today, everybody, uh, we have another great podcast planned for you all. Uh, We're going to actually talk to a master instructor um, in the world of martial arts. Yes, indeed. We have a uh, a Bay Area uh, legend um, in uh, the field of martial arts, um, and we'll go ahead and bring him in shortly. What I'd like to probably do is remind you all to check out um, some of our past podcasts. Uh, We've uh, recorded quite a few so far, and I'm very proud to announce through these podcasts that uh, I've actually received a outstanding graduate project award for these projects. I just recently uh, graduated from grad school. Um, and in one, of cere- in one of the ceremonies, I received this uh, reward, uh, recognizing um, the work that I've done um, on these podcasts. Of course, these pro- podcasts actually originated uh, as a graduate school project. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been quite successful. So, you know, the uh, the plan from the very beginning was to, of course, come up with the concept, come up with uh, some theories, explore those theories, uh, do some um, uh, 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 research in terms of the phenomenon of African-Americans who work in great fields. Um, and, um, you know, what, uh, how we actually uh, continue to thrive, um, how we continue to build our networks within these environments, um, and, um, and, and the whole intention of the podcast is basically to inform um, listeners um, of uh, how to uh, um, how to understand these environments, how to prepare yourselves for these environments, um, and you know some of the steps and routes to get to the levels that a lot of the professionals that I've interviewed in my past podcast have actually taken to get where they are. Um, all of them are very successful, very uh, respected in their fields, and they have a true passion. Um, within a lot of those interviews, we also talked about um, some of the keys to success that they use, such as mentors, such as studying, such as education, uh, such as having um, a, a real good group of individuals around you who have them say, that who have the same ideas um, that you have, um, you know, who have the same strengths that you have. In a lot of cases. Um, you know, I um, have mentors who have uh, strengths in areas that you aim to get to. So we talked to some great individuals um, in the past, such as Dr. Lonnie Brooks, who is a uh, communications professor, professors at Cal State East Bay. And we talked to him about futurism and future thought. That's podcast uh, session number 11. We also talked to Leo McGowan Hare 
who's actually a technologist. She's a uh, woman woman in technology. She's actually a master instructor and teach people from all over the world how to uh, how to uh, code um, and how to do their jobs uh, much better. Um, she's a uh, hell of an inspiration to a lot of the. Uh, women in the world who aim to uh, have careers in technology, uh, particularly in development. And uh, then we also had talked to Dr. Frank Davis uh, about the psychology of mentoring. Um, that was actually one of my favorite podcasts. He's actually one of my mentors and just a great guy overall. Uh, we also spoke to Sean Darrow, who actually is a, um, uh, 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 let's see here, uh, let me see if I can get it, a nuclear uh, medicine technologist. So he works with nuclear medicine day in and day out, and that conversation was very interesting. And then we spoke to another gentleman who is an uh, acupuncturist who uh, works with uh, Chinese uh, Eastern medicines and techniques. Um, and that was a, another great conversation, um, my, my, my guy, Chris. So definitely check out some of the past Rabbit Hole podcasts. I'm quite sure that you will enjoy them. Um, and then if you have any comments or suggestions for me, Definitely reach back out to me at Shane at ShaneHair.net. I'm open to your suggestions on your ideas um, on, on the format or the conversations. And if even if you want to uh, be interviewed, definitely contact me and we can set something up. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring in today's um, uh, interviewee. Uh, Ken Pitts. He uh, he is a Bay San Francisco Bay Area uh, native who has practiced martial arts for over 30 years, um, primarily uh, Taekwondo and Kwapweta. When we bring him online, we will go ahead and talk to him about the past, uh, what's going on currently in uh, his martial arts career, and then what's the future of martial arts and. One interesting thing about these type of martial arts, they've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Kwapweta for about two, three hundred years, and then um, uh, Taekwondo for like a thousand years, like, you know, 55 B.C. Um, time frame. So these are very ancient, at least Taekwondo is a very ancient martial arts and um so let's go ahead and bring him on the line as we always do we go ahead and contact our guests and let's bring him in and have a great conversation today hey how you doing this is shane Hare. i'm good shane how are you <laughs> i'm doing good and right now you are live on the rabbit hole podcast uh, my podcast okay. series how you doing how's everything going today with you I'm doing great. Having a good morning so far. So good. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, when, 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 one reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, uh, Mr. Pitts, is, um, is because of your, your, your very long history in martial arts. 
And then secondly, um, because of what you do in our community, you know, I, I know you have your 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 studio. You've been having that studio for quite some time as well. And whenever I um, participated in any of your classes or even passed by your classes, it always seems like everybody in there, they're having fun. And then thirdly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some of your most recent accomplishments in martial arts. So I wanted to to talk to you about a little bit of all of that, if 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 you had the time this morning. Sure, sure. So how how did you get into martial arts? Well, uh, initially, initially, um, my mom enrolled me when I was probably pre-adolescent, probably six, seven. And I wasn't really into it. And, um, grew, you know, I grew up in Berkeley. Um, a neighbor, um, one was a boxer, and another one was a uh, half Korean, half African American uh, kid. And, um, you know, I was studying Gojai Ru at, at the time. It was with my, um, soon after to be my P teacher at. Um, Garfield or Martin Luther King now in Berkeley and um, I you know was playing with the boxing because I had an uncle that was a boxer Eddie Machen he was a heavyweight mm. champion fought uh, Sonny Liston as well as Cat, Ben Cassius Clay both wow. of them knocked but um, <laughs> so, I, so I had a little, already a little background in boxing but the, the kid that uh, was one of my neighbors of the boxer he used to just pulverize me Mm. And then I would spar with the other kid, uh, John Bell, and uh, he was Taekwondo, and he would just kick me in the head a lot. Right. And and so, you know, my, my I guess you could say the combative arts, I, I kind of shied away from. Mm. And then I went to a stage where I was being bullied. And, oh, boy. Um, yeah, I couldn't really find any uh, refuge from that. And um, at one point, culminating me arming myself with a knife to defend myself against this kid. And then um, another classmate seen me and saw how distraught I was. And then when this kid that was bullying me appeared, um, he saw even more how distraught I was. And so he was like, is this the guy that was doing it? And so he grabbed the guy in his color and said, don't you ever mess with him again. And that was like a real big turning point for me. I see. Um, and it re- renewed my interest in the martial arts. And um, then I'd say probably ninth grade, I was introduced to Taekwondo through um, – one of my classmates, uh, Shelton Walker at the time, his, his name now is Nzazi Kaskalor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, he introduced me to Mr. Baker, and um, since then I've been kind of, you know, interacting with Mr. Baker, continue to interact with Nzazi, and have studied a, a host of martial arts. But that was kind of like my start. And one other instant, I, I was, um, I guess I was being bullied by these three guys and they really like really beat me up bad and that just gave me a renewed purpose to be really good with the emphasis on on getting revenge and after I obtained my black belt I felt that 
I wanted to get my revenge. Uh, I mean, some, something like out of a Kung Fu story. Right. And then I <clears throat> looked at the guys that um, had, uh, you know, accosted me, and it, it would be lowering my etiquette to engage with them combatively. And so I, um, I felt that I was above that, and the martial arts definitely gave me that confidence to feel like, I could if I wanted to and prevail, but the emphasis was on learning how to fight so I didn't have to fight. And so I moved on from then and just, you know, stayed in the martial arts, um, really uh, interested in the competitive aspect Mm -hmm. and excelled at that after, you know, a couple of years of not getting any recognition on the tournament circuit. And then finally, you know, through my persistence, I, was able to, you know, place at a tournament. And from there, um, just really liked the, the, the competitive uh, aspect of it and uh, really excelled at that and put a lot of energy in, in my training towards being, you know, comp- competing. Over, over that period of time, um, actually probably since then, how many tournaments have you competed in? Hmm. Let's see. Um, I'd say if I was doing 24, I'd I'd say a couple of hundred. Wow. Yeah, and I say that because initially we were going every weekend Mm. um, for years. Every weekend we were at a tournament. Um, yeah, so, so I'd say uh, a couple of hundred. When you were originally started, and from the time that you um, really began taking martial arts um, seriously, and was it Taekwondo at the time that you really began? Like, you know what, this is the art that I really want to practice. From that period of time, um, how long did it actually take you before you earned your black belt? Um, well, you know, my, my, I, I really lifelong, uh, goal was to study Kung Fu. Ah. And, um, then when Bruce Lee came on the scene, it was to study Jiquendo. Yes. But because of the financial restraints and the, the, the timing of it and the transportation to and from it, it I, I couldn't facilitate till I was driving in college and then, um, I really um, seeked out the stuff I wanted to do. Like I would go mm-hmm. to Marin to do uh, some training over there in sticks and in Capoeira. Then I would go to San Jose to do sparring for the tournaments. Mm-hmm. And then I was here in Berkeley or in Palo Alto also doing the Capoeira, San Francisco State, San Jose State doing the judo. Alameda, Alameda College, um, doing the uh, jujitsu with Grandmaster Wally J. Um, so yeah, I, I was all over the place. Um, so basically, kind and, of like your your form back in the day of like mixed martial arts or what they call today MMA that we see a lot of. Uh, that's what's going on through the UFC or the strike forces and you know those uh, organizations that promote. Uh, the mixed martial arts, where you're kind of doing all of the arts in one. 
you're kind of doing that back in that period of time. Can can I can I say I, it? Without... I was. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I was, and, and um, I, I won't say I was the pioneer in that, but you know, I I came up grappling and in taekwondo. But I also studied with Sifu Bill Owens, who's in East Oakland, um, probably has the oldest school in the Bay Area, about 51 years. Yeah, he's definitely and a I used, Yeah, yeah, I used to go out to his school, even though I was, quote-unquote, Taekwondo, or a different style, and I used to go there and train. And it was frowned upon with my peers in Taekwondo as well as my peers that were in Kajikempo or Wanhapkundo. But that didn't matter to me because I, I I was just seeking the knowledge, not so much the style. I just wanted the knowledge. Yes. And so so I used to be in uh, several different arenas, and um, you know now they call it mixed martial arts. But there there's like Sifu Delones. I felt like was a pioneer in that, and uh, Billy Blake with his Tai A lot of us have been doing that for years, but he was mm-hmm. able to take that to to another level mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that that's been available i mean been um a, a concept that a lot of us have been doing you know 30 36 years at least now with uh seafood bill owens now is his his specialty uh kaji kempo um, well, it, it was one hub Kundo, which is a system, uh, created by Al DeCascos, which was his teacher, mm-hmm. but he's, um, he's evolved into a system called Blossom Fist. Mm. And, um, in Blossom Fist, they have handheld weapon, empty hand, stick, knife. There's a Kung Fu, uh, aspect to it, um. There's even a, uh, he calls it OFA, a rhythmic martial arts, which is only open to African American 60. And this so, is something he's been developing. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. That, that's wonderful. This is something yeah. he's been developing over the last 20 years or so. Wow. Wow. So you you went through college and you kind of uh, kind of practice in uh, you know many of these different uh, various styles of martial arts. You kind of gravitated to Taekwondo, um, and then um, you know how I met you was actually through Kwapweta. Kwapweta mm-hmm. is actually a very interesting type of uh, martial art, I believe. Um, can you uh, give our listeners an uh, idea of what Kwapweta is? Um, a synopsis of Kwapweta would be it's a dance, it's a game, it's a fight, all rolled into one. And depending on the music or um, the uh, songs that they're, they're singing, um, it clicks what type of game you play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've um, yeah. I've seen it very. It, it's interesting because I've seen it in various uh, areas of Brazil where the flavor was more fight, or the flavor was more dance. Mm. Now those two distinctive styles is there's like the the region now, and then the, uh, Angola yeah. styles. Would you compare? Yeah. 
now now the fight would that be more of the regional or 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 the slowness would that be the the Angola? I'd say the the more fight would be the uh, regional or regional. In the Angola, um, a lot of people ask me which style do I practice, and I t- I simply tell them I practice capoeira, which is I, I do both fast and slow. Right. Um, there are some people that practice and it's only slow, no traditional uniform. You stay close to the floor. Your kicks are no higher than the waist. You rarely stand up. Um, that that's the characteristics uh, of capoeira Angola. And then Capoeira Hijanao or Regional is more stand-up, a lot of acrobatics, fast movements, um, high kicks, mm. you, you know, higher tempo. So I'd say Hijanao is a sped-up version of Angola. Mm. Mm. How, how, how were you introduced to Capoeira? Uh, um, through Sifu Billowens. I, I had heard about Capoeira and it was uh, at his school and I went out and what it was is Master Accordion who's here in, in Berkeley, California um, has an academy here was teaching at Stanford University hmm. and uh, we started going down initially me and Tifu Bill Owens and Johnny Moore and Julius Baker and uh, 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 Nancy Yapata uh, Zali Jim Hunden um, about a half a dozen to a dozen of us uh, converged on Stanford University to take classes with Master Accordion once we found out where it was being uh, taught. And then eventually we brought him up to the East Bay and um, it kind of spread throughout the country here with Master Accordion and then on the East Coast with Master Jalon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just continued to to spread. Wow! So it, it it seemed like you and your crew back in the day, instead of like you know going to the hoop court and finding like the best players to play against, you guys would actually go around to all of the 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 great teachers or the teachers of, of that time who were teaching these different types of uh, martial arts, and um, you know participate and take those classes. It sounded like a, you know from the beginning of our conversation that you would travel all over the Bay Area to uh, work with different, um, you know, individuals and teachers on their, you know, various arts. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I didn't realize it at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it was a lot of, it was very time consuming. Um, For instance, I used to go spar with these guys down in San Jose and the training started at 11 p.m. And the reason it started at 11 p.m. because we all had schools and we had all had jobs and we usually, you know, were off, you know, five, six, seven, eight o'clock at night, have something to eat and then make that drive down to San Jose. And then, you know, we usually went to about 1 a.m. and then we went back to our prospective cities after that. But, you know, a lot of the guys that attended that were like some of the top fighters, you know, in the country. Mm-hmm. And so we we were excited to get an opportunity to be in the presence of some of these guys, you know, that were just exceptional, you know, in their craft. So that that kept me um, energized in terms of you know in terms of time and gasoline and you know the camaraderie. <clears throat> I um, 
I really didn't look at that as that time consuming. Um, Sifu Bill Owens said something to me once. He said, uh, you know, I told him, I said, Sifu, I don't have the time. And he says, you know, you got to take the time off your sleep. Nah. And the way he explained it, he says, you have eight hours, you have a job, you know, it's usually eight hours and then an hour before and an hour after. And then you're supposed to sleep a minimum of eight hours and then, you know, an hour before you go to sleep, an hour. So that gives you four hours to do everything that you want to do. Right. And once he put it like that, Shane, I really was um, shaving time off of stuff that I did. And this Mac, I mean, I just packed in a lot of stuff that, you know, somebody might do in a week, I would do in a day. Right. Uh, and, and I'm not exaggerating. Just, um, you know, I'd start early morning, work um, either 5 to 1 or 7 to 3, and then from there I went and taught, and then from there I went, I was somewhere training. Mm-hmm. And um, still kind of have that, that mindset and energy level, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Um, um, rest is very important. And so I've been really trying to uh, balance that between, you know, my rep, my rest, uh, my uh, my training, and then, um, you know, just my downtime, my right. sharpening the saw time, you know. Yeah, that that was some wisdom that uh, your 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 seafood gave you at that time because it it just it seems to me that whenever you're doing anything that you love to do in life you make time to do it and and it it should take a lot of energy and if you want to become proficient you want to become a master at it like yourself you know you you go wherever you can get your work in and and Mm -hmm. through all of my podcasts here if I, I, i interviewed a lot of individuals like yourself who are driven, who have a true passion for what they do, and that's the ongoing thing. You know what? You you, you got to cut time. You got to go ahead and cut out that TV. Um, you got to go ahead and study. If you want to become good at anything, you got to work hard and study at it at every angle you can get it at. So I'm I'm really mm-hmm. glad that you're continuing on this message through my podcast here is that when you whenever you want to do anything and be great at it, you know what? You just got to work hard. Point period dot and that's it. Yep. yep. And definitely seek out people that, you know, are uh leading in that industry. Um yes. it just really helps you uh gain the knowledge leaps and bounds. So uh, so when you went down to San Jose and you began looking into Quapueta and then training under um, that teacher at that time, was he a master at the time or was he just uh, he, he practicing was. it himself? He was. he was a master. Wow. He, he was a master, yeah. So at what, at what point in your life were you like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and really, really be serious about it because it's, it's quite obvious that you are because you do have a school at it and you're actually a master, which I believe is probably one of the highest honors of Quapueta. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a correct it statement? Is. Yes, and, it is. Wow. Wow. So at, at, at what point did you decide, you know what, this this is something great that that you decide to actually make a business out of it? 
Yeah, well, Shane, I started looking at, you know, I, I worked in juvenile probation for about 16 years. And um, after 10 years, they gave me this little plaque. And then some people that had 20 years, they gave them a watch. <laughs> and then um, I saw some of them retiring. And then year after they retired, they expired. And so I, I started looking at either pursuing my pension or pursuing my passion. And I mm. felt like the martial arts was my calling, was my passion. But, you know, we're urged by our family and friends to get a career and go to work and, you know, work hard and and all of that. And uh, basically, it's for someone else. So I started looking at, you know, after almost 20 years of working for someone else, mm. uh, not having the time or making the time for me to excel in what I wanted to excel I kind of flipped the script yes and it was definitely financially a um, a turn down in terms of my finances but in terms of my time if I did it again Shane I, I would do it the same way I uh, That's wonderful I would for, forsake forsake the money quote unquote mm -hmm. yes. um, and and just seek your passion because yes. I was very unhappy in my job, my jobs, I guess I should say, even though it paid the bills, but I wasn't really fulfilling what I felt was my destiny. And then as I started looking at it, just subtle clues from something I read, somebody said something, something I saw that just said, seek your passion, seek your passion, yes. seek your passion. And then you know, I started looking at motiv motivational speakers like, Roger Crawford, how, how high can you bounce? Uh, Anthony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within You. Mm -hmm. John mm -hmm. John Mason, Believe You Can, The Power of Positive Attitude. Wow. John Ruiz and the Four Agreements. I started looking at all those, and then that was kind of like my mantras. And that's okay. what I listen to when I'm driving in the car. Yes. And that is still what fuels me to this Absolutely. day. And, and and let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Pitts. Now, now that you you quit your job, something that you were paying the bills, you you enjoyed it, but it wasn't your passion in life. But when you make that when you made that transition over to fully, fully, um, you know, follow your passion in life, what does that actually feel like to actually wake up every single day to do something that you absolutely love? And I'm quite sure, I'm sure it seems like work, but then, uh, you know, I, I can probably assume that a lot of times that it doesn't. It, it feels like something that, that, that you thoroughly enjoy. It doesn't feel like work. What, 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 what is that feeling like? Every morning, Shane, I wake up and I, I just praise a higher power for giving me that ability to do that, open my eyes and start my day. And then... I'm all about being out in nature. I, I like mm -hmm. to just be out. I, I, I think here in the cities, we're in a concrete jungle. Yes. My preference would to be somewhere on some island where I cut out my little uh, concrete path or, or, or uh, setting, and but then be in the in the jungle. Um, I, I like to be out in nature. I like to interact with butterflies, hummingbirds, uh, bees. <laughs> birds, you know, whatever that's out there in nature, but if you just, that, that's what I look forward to every day is interacting with them, as, as well as with the youth and, and, and other people, but mm -hmm. 
that that has allowed me to shift from the hustle to just being in the moment. So a lot of us are kind of like looking forward or in the past, and I, I just try to be in the moment. I wake up, I'm in that moment, I'm give thanks, I go out, I see butterflies and hummingbirds or whatever, and they interact. And I got this one bird that follows me from my house about a block away to a park, and he's just hovering around me, and I just think that's the weirdest thing, but I was like, hey, I guess we got some type of connection. Right, right. Uh, with nature, and, and, you know, I look at some of my peers that took a different path, and maybe they're a doctor... Maybe they're an attorney, maybe they're a police officer, and um, looking at their lives and comparing it to mine, I feel that I'm I, I'm way more content in in my surroundings than they are. I mean, for them to come over here and just sit and we just sit and have some tea is like, oh man, let's uh, go to a movie. And I said, man, the sun shining, birds out, birds singing. You want to go to a movie? We're going to go and say, let's go to a movie tonight. You know? Right, and, right. And, and enjoy the day, you know? That, that, that's that's. And great. then there's no communication. You know, we go to a movie, we're not talking. We're not mm-hmm. looking at each other. We're not reading each other's body language, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, I, I, I tell them, I say, man, come over and get in the hot tub. Come over and just sit in the backyard and watch the hummingbirds and dragonflies and butterflies just fly around you. You know, and grant, granted, I have stuff that attracts those in the backyard, but that was by intent. Yes, yes. You you want to you want to a lot of time. life and energy to all forms of life. Mm-hmm. So, it, for, for you where you are right now, you're a master instructor in Taekwondo. A are are you a right. sixth degree black belt? I'm a seventh. I got my seventh last year. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Thank what, you. What What is that process like? I mean, not only you know do you have a a black belt, but you have seven degrees. And you know, for our listeners who are not aware of you know the belt systems in martial arts, and then the degree systems once you actually have a black belt, or even to be a master mm-hmm. instructor in Taekwondo. What 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 do those degrees actually mean? Uh, well, pretty much timing grade. So so to get a black belt, in in some systems you can get it in six months. I I don't really agree with that. But if you're training eight hours a day, seven days a week for six months, it's a possibility. But normally it takes some um, getting the degree five or six years to get your first degree black belt. And then um, you're eligible for your next degree, at least in most of the systems that I've been through, after three years as a black belt. Then you get your first degree. And then mm-hmm. it's three years to your next degree. You get your second degree. And then after that, it's usually another three years for the next degree, for the next degree, for the next degree. Mm-hmm. However, with that, you have to be actively teaching, and then to get your fifth degree, which was uh, behooved me, you in in the organization I was involved with, you had to have a fourth degree, apply for your fifth degree, but have a student that's a third degree that's been teaching for ten years. Jeez, Louise! 
And so when they told me that, I was just, oh, man, okay, I can just stop right there. And then I thought about it, and I said, wait a minute, Stuart Coulter, my first student, oh, he's a third degree, and he had been teaching for 10 years. So, of course, I had to bring him in to, so they could verify his qualifications and where he'd been teaching and, and all of that. So that enabled me to get my fifth, which is a senior instructor. And then for my sixth degree, it was a big test. I had to do self-defense, breaking, speaking technique before this panel of my peers, you know, all my seniors. And uh, I got my sixth degree. And then for the seventh degree, pretty much it was what, how have I contributed in the community. Ah. And so, you know, I was um, a member of the Alameda County Practice Diffusion Team or Management of a Behavior. I um, had over 20 years of, of teaching at the time. You know, I was owner of a, a martial arts academy. You know, I competed in tournaments, which, you know, took, took me a long way. I, I had a degree from San Francisco State in radio and television production. So all those things collectively uh, enabled me to go for my sixth and then subsequently wow. for my seventh. So so when you start getting into those higher degree, they begin looking at your actual life's work, right? When you said you got to yeah. your fifth, they wanted to start looking at, okay, who are your students and how are their training? How long have they come along? And then when you start getting into your, your, your sixth, then they want to actually look at, okay, what have you done in the community as a whole during your life of martial arts? Wow, that mm-hmm. that right there is very very interesting, and that's a hell of a goal to aim for when you're actually recognized for your life's work. Which brings me right, to right. this this very next question: You were just recently um, inducted into the Masters Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. How I was, the it, heck it, did that come about? That's ex- exceptional exceptional there so so they have this organization it's in los angeles it's in in uh hollywood and it's um the uh, it's the um master's hall of fame in martial arts and then it's connected with the martial arts history museum which was founded in 1999 Mm -hmm. and the way it works there's some ambassadors so these are people that have uh, receive the uh, Masters Hall of Fame recognition, and then they look at other martial artists in the community that they think meet the qualifications. And so, if you want to, I think there were three ambassadors and one, actually two other inductees that um, told this organization in 04 that they would like me to be inducted. And so they contacted me. I was all set to do it. And then I had a knee surgery, which kind of took me out of the loop. And then, um, you know, every year they would send me this. And I just, I don't know. I was like, who am I to be in the Black Belt Hall of Fame? Hmm. You know, and so I was kind of like, not running away from it, but just didn't feel like I was old enough. Didn't feel like, my qualifications when I looked at these other guys were, it wasn't equivocal. But then in talking to some of the ones that nominated me, they said, wait a minute, you've done this, you've done this. So they, they started telling me what I've done 
through that process, Shane, I started look. I did a CV, which is kind of like a resume. And okay. um, the sister that was doing it, when we finished, she said, did you know you have five black belts? I said, I only have one black belt. She said, no, you blessed in five different systems. And I was like, wow. Wow. And then on top of it, she said, and you have a degree. She said, how many other martial artists do you know that have five black belts in five different systems and have a degree? And so I started thinking about it. I could, there was one out of, you know, the hundreds that I know. I was like, well, okay, this is what the lady is at. And so I kept looking at it. And then the last year I was supposed to do it with my teacher, Mr. Baker. And I was like, we had went to Hawaii together, Mr. Baker and his wife. And uh, we hung out and we were still in the minute last year. And then we're kind of we're losing you, Mr. Pitt. We're kind of losing you. Okay, let me go back to where I was standing. Where I was standing. So I. Um, so I um, what would that look like for me to be in the Masters Hall of Fame and what actually qualifies me for that? And then I talked to, you know, some inductees, some people that had recommended me and they kind of told me, they told me what I had done to make me eligible. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, two weekends ago, I went down, I guess it was April 12th. I went down to the uh, Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood and uh, the Masters Hall of Fame. And I was just in awe of all the um, previous inductees, all the ambassadors, uh, the founders of the organization. I was, and then it was just an amazing event. The food was great. The entertainment, they had uh, 10 women and two guys taiko drumming, which was awesome. They had this um, Japanese um, Aido master, grandmaster, that uh, the art of uh, drawing your sword and cutting at the same time. Hmm. Clear your sword and put it back. So just you draw your sword, that person, whatever, loses a limb, and you put your sword back. It's the art of drawing <laughs> the sword. He put on an excellent demonstration. Then he did something called Gasaheda, uh, which is a really difficult style of Brazilian dance. And he started dancing by himself. started dancing by himself and then um my my partner was going to go up and dance with him because she's brazilian and um he was playing he was dancing by himself and then he went and grabbed this little doll this little teddy bear a care bear and started dancing with that and everybody just just exploded in you know uh applause for him but the highlight of it was not only me receiving the award, but uh, with this one young lady that did a Muay Thai demonstration, and she was three years old, Shane. And three elbows, years old? Knees, three years old, came out in the traditional Muay Thai dress with the music, did all her salutations, and then all she did was some bag work, and it was phenomenal. Oh, my God. It was really, really, you, really nice. Did you just say a three-year-old doing Muay Thai? Three-year-old. Doing some bag work? Yep. yep. My goodness you know, gracious. It was, it was on the focus myths and the Muay Thai pads, but she was really good. And then I was sitting at a table with it's such a small one. I was sitting at the table with uh, these four brothers and then this one white guy. 
And you first know, start a couple of conversation with him, and he says, oh, yeah, well, this guy, Dave Brock, is our teacher. And I was like, oh, well, and I said, what you guys do? He said, oh, we did Saja Kempo. You know, we're down Huntington Beach. Blah, 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 blah. We competed in internationals. I said, I competed in internationals. I fought Alvin Crowder and I beat him, blah, blah, blah. And then um, one of them said, well, yeah, you know, I have a friend that um, used to compete against him. He was in Hawaii. And I was like, I have a friend in Hawaii, too. His name is Kenny Firestone. And so the guy said, pulled out his phone. He says, yeah, this is uh, Kenny Firestone. He had a car accident. And so I pulled out my phone. And um, and um, I pulled out my phone and showed him a picture of Kenny Firestone. That way. I went and seen him after his car accident. Mm-hmm. And we... Um, we kind of bonded because all of us, all, everybody at the table knew this guy we were talking about in Hawaii. We ended up calling this guy on the phone and he talked to all of us and it's such a small world, you know? Right, I right. I saying that again, but it, it's so true. Um, so those, those are some of the highlights of the Black Belt Hall of Fame and I, I was just in awe and, and just so surreal that reflecting on when I started into where I am now and it's kind of like it seems like yesterday I mean just you know from the time I started in martial arts to now it seems like it was just a few days ago not like standing over 40 years so for individuals uh, you know before I go into my next uh, question or my statement here I just want to congratulate you on that extraordinary honor um, I, I can definitely see why you were inducted into uh, such a prestigious um, uh, institute, uh, the Masters uh, Martial Arts Hall of Fame, because I, I definitely have seen firsthand um, what you've done in the community, how you actually work with all of the age levels, you know, from your little three-year-olds all the way up to your, your elders. Um, and you, you, you're definitely knowledgeable in, in, in just your way with people. Um, you're, you're definitely a people person, and a lot of people that come through your system, um, they're they're happy people. I, I would like to probably say that you know a lot of systems it's all about kill, 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 main, main, main. But yours is, you know what? I can go ahead and, and beat you up and still smile smile about it and then afterwards we're going to go ahead and shake hands because it's, it's really not a big deal you know and but 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 most of most importantly I, I think you train people on how to not get themselves into you know violent situations because like you said earlier on once you achieved your first black belt you know you you know it was a thought to go back and um, show those guys, avenge, you know, what ha- occurred to you earlier on in your life by, you know, uh, you know, being um, violently, violently attacked by three individuals. But you, you thought about it, you know, eh, you know, I'm bigger and better than that. My training, I don't need to use my training for that type of action. And I think martial mm-hmm. art, it kind of mm-hmm. it, it gives you something internal. Of course, it gives you that confidence. It also gives you a plan on how to deal with certain situations. But then also, you know, it makes you look at, you know, life as, you know what, you know, I, I don't need that. You know, I, I can go ahead and go, you know, work out and spar with my, my guys or with my students or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that, 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 that that's innate in, in us when, when we don't have, um, when we don't have discipline or we, we really don't have, um, actually, let's, let me just go ahead and phrase it like this. 
if, if we're out in the community, we don't have the discipline, we don't really have the structure, and we have all this like kind of pent up energy. Um, and you know, we, we go out into you know, we have a lot of young people who will go out there and probably start fights. Um, do you think that martial arts is a great way to release that kind of energy or kind of refocus that energy in different areas of your life? I, I, I do. You know, Jay, my, my, this is my, one of my dreams I've had since I've been doing the martial arts and, 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 and the instructor aspect of it is that I wish we would follow kind of like the uh, Eastern countries. Um, it's mandatory to take martial arts. In, in school mm-hmm. you have to take a martial arts so you can take various different styles but you have to do one with that mm-hmm. mindset that you're taking martial arts and you encounter somebody that wants to be combative you think twice about yes. engaging with them because you don't know what they know right. or there's just this mutual respect that you have for everybody unlike you know a lot of the disrespect that's going on nowadays I think I think it's inherent in the martial arts but I also think that in the institutions there's a lot of um, misconception about the martial arts and then and sometimes in the movies it de- depicts the same thing but if we could somehow get martial arts in all the schools you know just every school has a martial arts teacher there that teaches martial arts and all the students have to go through the program like it or not I think it would really cut down on a lot of the uh, uh, the bullying, the mm-hmm. combativeness in school. Um, it would balance out what they they're, they're playing on these video games and watching on television and seeing on the news. I, I think it would um, it would really uh, calm some of that stuff, and then Absolutely. also give a lot of the kids that you know, no fault of their own single parent or whatever, don't not getting the life skills from home. So yes. a lot of us expect the school to teach the kids, but, you know, we have to teach the kids. Absolutely. You know, and then if we're teaching them and and the schools are teaching them, the teachers will learn twice. So then they they overcome a lot of their fears. You know, they they are more confident. You know, they their setbacks become comebacks, you yes. know. They're able to control their mental and emotional and physical and financial destinies, you know, and, and then the power of just a positive attitude, a yes, I can attitude is, is something that is, is being uh, suppressed. And, and it's time, Shane, it's really time for, yes. for the community to wake up and, and embrace that because I think it'll really, uh, help in the long run a lot of these youth who feel like they're on a plight in a path that there's no happy outcome from it, you know? A lot of them are really dish and loosed about the police and just about the, the society and the system, you know? They, they've, uh, they, they don't believe in the system anymore. Yeah. But yeah. you have to continue to believe. You, know? you have to continue to believe um, and then more more importantly, Instead of getting yourselves wrapped up in uh, the madness outside or what's going on in the news or with these video games or being around the wrong bunch of people, just really to, like you mentioned earlier, follow your passion. Find something that you're really passionate about. Get around individuals Mm -hmm. that have that same kind of passion um, and follow it. 
and you're you're a living example that following your 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 passions and your dreams lead to you know other things that you probably never even imagined like being inducted into a hall of fame which is awesome mm-hmm. for a young person who see all the MMA on TV um who who wants to become a martial artist what steps would you uh you know uh, suggest to them to take to get to where you are today um so so for me and the youth today they could one take an MMA class but i think the emphasis too much on the fighting aspect mm-hmm. versus the life skill aspect so for for youth today that wants to do martial arts i would suggest it could be an MMA program but the emphasis is on the life skills like self-discipline and perseverance and being modest and being courteous and having integrity and having an indomitable spirit and having courage, you know, yes. uh, it also reduces your shyness and, you know, um, enhances you in other ways besides the combative aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. Wow, yeah, th- that's great. So you want to go ahead and um, really try to build up those uh, those those characteristics um, within your personality to be able to handle life because uh, you know life is challenging and martial arts can actually be used to um, um, to 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 gain th- th- that discipline. It's not really about fighting, but it's about building your character as a person. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Pitts, I want to go ahead and kind of turn the corner a little bit, change the topic uh-huh. a little bit. As an African American sure. male in the Bay Area, what challenges, uh, you know, have you faced as being a martial artist within that system? Because I, I think um, some of my 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 research, you know, there's only a very small percentage of African Americans in martial arts across mm-hmm. all of the the disciplines. Mhm. Um. Well, the biggest fight I think that we that that I see is that we're not Asian. So you know, I may talk to somebody on the phone, and you know, they they're all set an appointment. They come in, and then they come in, and they say, oh, "Is Mr. Pitts here?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm Mr. Pitts." And you can see where there's a little bit of disappointment. Mm. And and then I don't know exactly what they were looking for, but. I don't think they were looking for an African American male. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see a lot of my peers that are not African American um, didn't train uh, as extensively as myself or Sifu Lawrence or you know Master Baker, and uh, but have a gang of students. Um, they're very good, but their students are lacking the quality. Mm. Um, sometimes even the quantity of their techniques is is lacking, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think overall the um, the emphasis is a train either with an Asian or a Caucasian versus an mm-hmm. African American. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them come to me after they've been to one or the other programs, and. Um, you know, I'm I'm just real. I'm just no nonsense. This is what it is. This is how we do it. And um, 
you know, I, I, I have a certain amount of, uh, a certain standard that, that I have protocol to. And what I'm seeing in some other systems or some other teachers that they don't have that same standard. Mm. And then, you know, some of them like come from a business, business background. So that's what they base it on. Like I had this one friend, very successful. He has 49 schools. And he says, oh, we base ours off of McDonald's and Jack in the Box. Every student should look the same. And, you know, I bear to differ with him because I, I you know, I feel like we're all individuals. So, you know, we're learning all the same thing, but we have to embrace it and encompass it and it becomes our own and it's uniquely our expression of the art. Yes. Not where we all look the same. Right. You know, some of your... Your attributes are going to come out more so than mine. Say so you have more flexibility than me, and say I have more speed than you, or right. you know, uh, more perseverance. Then yes. that is a quality that I have that I can, you know, uh, excel in or excel on. Versus, you know, everybody. Okay, it's just this is what you need to do. So, so yeah, that's the plight of the. African American in in the martial arts is that um, um, people always want to know well, what's your qualifications to be a teacher, and then I know some guys that you know opened a school after training for a year, and very successful, and mm-hmm. you know they take students to tournaments even though they've never fought, and mm-hmm. um, you know students do they don't do that well but you know they're out there. Uh, doing the thing, but have really have no real background or experience. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So, um, wow, that, that, that's interesting. And so for, for individuals who's listening for our listeners, what, what, what qualities would you say to look for? Um, especially if they're in the Bay Area, definitely go to uh, Pitts Martial Arts Academy. <laughs> definitely go there. But outside of the Bay Area, um, what what should they look for when they're exploring martial arts for themselves as adults or, mm-hmm. or for their children? Mm-hmm. So, so as an adult, um, you want to look for someone that. Um, um, is not on on this platform where it's look at me. And then, yeah, you're admiring what they're doing, but it's not about what they're going to do. It's what can that person do for you? Yes. How are they going to help you polish your strength and make you better at things that you could be better at mm-hmm. as an mm-hmm. adult? As a kid, again, I'll go to the life skills. You know, uh, teaching the kids the life skills should be one of the first and foremost. And then I would say making them aware of what is bullying. You know, a lot of people, a lot of kids hear about it. They see it. But then when they're involved in it, they can't, they they don't really identify it until, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I, I called this kid out one time. I said, man, every time you come, you have this mark on you. He said, oh, yeah, this kid, he, well, today he bit me. And then he shows me a mark that I didn't even see. And I said, your parents see that? And I said, yeah. And I said, what are they saying? And he said, well, I just tell them I was playing. And, I, you know, I have to say, this is not playing. This is not okay. Can't, nobody can hit you and bruise you, bite Absolutely. you and bruise you, and then you don't say that to anybody. 
so for the kids, it's the life skills, and then identifying the um, the um, the shortcomings of that teacher. You know, where they're, they're, that's not enough. It's, come on, Bill. I'm going to put the dog down. Bye, Bill. Sorry. So yeah, yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm here. So it, now, now, now that that that's a very interesting um, idea that you just said. Well, you know, a lot of our kids in in schools or the camps, they're kind of taught to like, you know, what uh, use your words or go tell a teacher. So if, if they if your kid actually, you know, comes home with these bruises, with these bites, with these bites, would you suggest for the the, the kid to actually defend themselves, um, go tell a teacher, or, you know, how should the kid actually, who, who's actually being bullied, actually deal with themselves? Should they, should they, after someone actually hit them, should they hit back? Or should they run and go tell the teacher? This is one of those topics that I kind of grapple with myself, with my children. Yeah, you know, every situation is different. But um, first and foremost, I think they should tell an adult before yeah. they strike back. Now, if they're trained and they've gotten the okay from their teacher and they've gotten the okay from their parents, which I've had to do with some kids that were being bullied, then once they're hit, they hit them back. Like my daughter, for instance, she came in, she came home one day and she had this mark on her face. I said, Kyoko, what happened? She says, oh, I got, um, I got hit in the face with a basketball. I looked at her and I said, Kyoko, that doesn't look like a basketball uh, mark. That looks like somebody hit you in the face. Long story short, some guy had threw the basketball at her. She um, blocked it. Then he hit her in the face oh. and then she kicked him in the head. <laughs> and um, then, you know, um, I said, oh, you know, did you go to the office? And I went to the office. I was in the, ended up being called into the office, you know, with the kid's parents. And basically his dad told him, he says, I don't care who hits him. He's supposed to hit him back. And then he challenged me the fight. And when he did that, I just kind of, totally ignored that and addressed something to the, the young man's mom, you know, just kind of didn't even address that. Right. And then the, at the end, he said, well, if it happened again, I, I expect him, I don't care who it is, to hit him back. And I was like, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Some people out there are just looking for a fight, and, you know, and they don't even know what they're dealing with. Right. Right. So in for for uh, martial arts, uh, what do you see the future um, of martial arts? You know, say 50 or maybe even 100 years uh, from down the line. We all know that Taekwondo, um, you know, it, it's been around for like thousands of years since like before Christ. Um, and then Kuapueta um, has been around for about 300 years. Um, mm-hmm. As far as my research has, has um, allowed me to find, what, what do you see the future of martial arts uh, being? You know, right now it's all about the combat. It's all on TV. It's being very much uh, capitalized at this point in time. Um, 
what, what's your opinion on the future of martial arts? Uh, what I see right now, if we're not careful, it's going to be kind of like boxing. You have the elite that are doing it, and then everybody else is spectating. Mm. Where at one point, you know, the majority of the masters were doing martial arts. Now it's like you go and watch, kind of like the boxing, like baseball, like basketball, mm. you know, uh, you know, so the Muay Thai matches. It, it's the, the fighters. And then there's the spectators. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so if we're not careful, um, all those life skills that have been taught in the martial arts is going to be watered down, and it's just going to be the emphasis, like boxing, is just you know it, it's combative, even though it's a it's a, a great art, you know, not a lot of techniques, four techniques pretty much, I mean you know in terms of strikes, but then all the other aspects of it that just makes it so amazing, you know. The sweet science. Mm-hmm. All right. Once again, uh, Mr. Pitts, thank you for your time. That we, We're going to go ahead and wrap it up in about five minutes. Just some uh, regular questions for you. Uh, what's one uh-huh. of your favorite? What's what? What's your favorite pastime? When you're not when you're not working out, uh, you know, when you're like you said, you're 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 in nature somewhere. Well, what's one of your most favorite? I see you travel the world quite a bit, but what, what's your um, your favorite pastime in life? I'd say traveling and being in the backyard. Um, just, you know, work in the garden. Um, yeah, the, the traveling and then being in nature. Now, you're a gardener. What, what's your, your, your favorite thing to grow? Uh, is it like your your bell peppers, your, your garlic, your flowers? Uh, blueberries trees. right now. I got about seven blueberry trees. I got uh, a tree that has uh, has been grafted, so it has three different apples on it. Hmm. Got a pear tree that I'm going to shoot you some pears this season because I just have a abundance of pears. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, we, we did garlic, beets, corn. Wow. Red potatoes, squash, arugula, um, yeah, just you name it. Green beans, tomatoes, of course. Wow. So so you're a serious yeah. gardener over there, huh? I am. Every day I'm out there, you know, rationing the water and trying to make things happen. Oh, that's wonderful. What's your favorite technology or application? Um, my favorite technology. Huh. That's a good question. Um, I like photography. I, I like doing pictures, you know, and going places and not taking so many pictures of people, but just of of things, plants, trees, animals, the water. Mm-hmm. Very intrigued mm-hmm. with the uh, uh, underwater world. Mhm, mhm, mhm. What's your uh, favorite snack? Um, my favorite snack. Hmm. I'd say nuts. Overall, like almond, like and then almond, I like dark chocolate. Mhm, mhm. Mhm. Like an almond, a peanut, cashew. 
Almond cashew, um, pistachio, Brazilian nut. All right. And your favorite part of the world and why? Um, I'd say uh, Hawaii. And just because of the aloha there. Yes, the love. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you could see it in, in you could see it in the people. They're just glowing with it. And then when you interact with them, they, they're just coming from that, that mindset. That's great. Well, Mr. Pitch, thank you very much for your time. I know you could have been doing anything else, uh, you know, this morning, but you chose to spend your time with me um, over the Internet recording this great interview, um, just giving great information about martial arts and about your life in uh, and time in martial arts. And I want to wish you the very best of luck and continued success in your business as well as your uh, very distinguished uh, career in martial arts. For our uh, people who are listening, how can they reach you through social media? Um, you can reach me through um, my email address. It's uh, P-M-A-A, Paul Mary Apple Apple, the number one at att.net. Okay. Would you like to shout out your uh, martial arts studio and address? Yeah, it's uh, Pitch Martial Arts Academy, Oakland, California, 468 Santa Clara Avenue, 94610. Great. And do you have a website? I do. It's pmaa.com. Great. Thanks again, uh, Mr. Pitts, for for your time. You're welcome, and sir. and you're you're, you. you're 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 very much welcome, and you're 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 more than welcome to come back anytime. Whenever you're doing another tournament, whenever you're uh, getting mm-hmm. another award, um, you know you're more more than welcome to ever always come back to the Rabbit Hole Podcast. All right, I'll take you up on that, sir. Absolutely, sir. You have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. All you right. too. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you, sir. All right, everyone. There you have it. We are just talking to the great Master Kenneth Pitts uh, from the March, uh, Kenneth Pitts, Pitts Martial Arts Academy in Oakland, California. If you are in the area, in the Bay Area, I would highly advise you to go by his studio. Go ahead and give him a call. Check out his website. Email him. And uh, get your kids uh, in, into one of his programs. I know that he has the Taekwondo pro, um, the programs as well as the Quapueta, um programs. Um, your kids will have fun. They will learn a whole lot. And they will learn that discipline. They will learn that independence. And, and they will learn a, a very good skill in martial arts. Um, I, I can tell you firsthand. Uh, one of my, my actually one of my oldest children actually went through a system as well as my wife and I we went through a system a few years back before we had the twins. Uh, once we had the twins, we had to kind of cut back on some of the extracurricular activities. But before that, we were in there almost uh, two, three times a week and you get a lot of love and you have a whole lot of fun. So check out his system. 
Um, if you want to reach me, uh, please reach me at Shane at ShaneHair.net. That's my email address. You can also check my website out at www.ShaneHair.net, Rabbit Hole Podcast. You can also find our recordings on Blog Talk Radio as well as uh, on the Facebook group, The Rabbit Hole Podcast. Thank you all for listening in and always be curious of life and discover new experiences and envision yourself in the future. This is the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Peace. And you know we will never, never, never stop beat them till the end. See them on top of the rhythm and give them and give them and then I want doctor. See it there? Watch out with anyone, nobody else do it proper. When we get my brother Snoop Lion, meet his blessed love and honor. Do what we are power and do what we are eating. Now you know, see the whole we are prosper. News flash, flick a little ash, every website and blogger. Snoop and Bush in the studio banging out hits, eat a little bit of snapper. Don't ever get it twisted, see we gifted when together reincarnated Snoop Lion Celestia forever.